Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to A History of Europe, Key Battles, The Battle of Rio Salado, Part 3 of 3. This is the third and final part of a set of episodes on the Gibraltar Crusades, a three-way conflict in the 14th century between the Spanish Christian Kingdom of Castile, the Marinid dynasty of Morocco, and the Sultanate of Granada, the last remaining Muslim state on the Iberian Peninsula. The conflict centred around the Straits of Gibraltar, the strategic border between Europe and Africa. If you have not already done so, I would first recommend listening to the previous two episodes for the background on the combination of this episode, the Battle of Rio Salado in 1340. In 1312, the Kingdom of Castile was in the ascendancy, but was knocked back when in that year their king, Fernando IV, while preparing again for war, fell ill and died suddenly, at the age of only 28. Fernando left an infant son, Alfonso XI, who succeeded him at the age of precisely one year and twenty days. The kingdom once more had to endure a minority, and the rebellions which traditionally ensued. Once more, Maria de Molina and grandmother of the new king stepped in to protect her family. She was recognised as official regent, alongside her son Pedro and her brother-in-law Juan. While she endeavoured to curb disorder and prevent the outbreak of rebellion, Pedro and Juan took advantage of a civil war in Granada to seize several border fortresses. In 1319, the two princes launched an expedition of widespread looting, which at first went very well. The Castilian army marched until only a few miles away from the city walls of Granada. But not having the confidence to successfully besiege the city, Pedro and Juan decided to withdraw back to their kingdom with their booty. It was at this point that the forces of Granada made their counter-attack. Weighed down by their ill-gotten gains, the Castilians were soon surrounded and suffered many casualties, including the deaths of Pedro and Juan. This event, known to history as the disaster of the Vega of Granada, abruptly put an end to Castilian ambitions in Granada. Not only did the Spanish lose many of its best soldiers, but after deaths of both male regents, several members of the royal family clamoured for a share in regency. The disturbances further intensified two years later in 1321, after the death of Maria de Molina. Order was regained only in 1325, when Alfonso XI reached his majority at the age of 14. Despite his youth, he soon displayed a remarkable ability to successfully confront the opposition of his relatives, and in time became a highly effective monarch. The loss of Gibraltar to Castile encouraged the leaders of Granada to ally with the Marinids of Morocco, and so began a period when battle lines became defined more by religious differences than, than was previously the case. 
In 1332, Alfonso founded a new military order, the Order of La Banda, named after the black band or scarf which its members wore across their white garments. It was an order based more on the principles of chivalry than earlier orders, and became a precursor to the more famous Order of the Garter, founded 16 years later by King Edward III of England. The Marinid Sultan from 1331 to 1348 was Abul Hassan, known as the Black Sultan of Morocco, on account of his dark complexion. He sent a military expedition into Spain under the command of his son, Abd al-Malik, who recaptured Gibraltar in June 1333, after a siege of five months. Alfonso's efforts to relieve the fortress and to recover it once it surrendered were impeded by continuous unrest and conspiracy among the nobility. Also in 1333, a new sultan of Granada, Yusuf I, ascended to the throne upon the assassination of his brother, Mohammed IV. Yusuf is described as white-skinned, naturally strong, with a fine figure, and even finer character. His teeth sparkled, he had large eyes and dark straight hair, a thick beard, a handsome face, and a clear voice that was a pleasure to hear. He loved art and architecture, and was a collector of arms and adornments. Like his brother, he lived under the influence of the courtiers and his paternal grandmother, Fatima. As a minor, Moorish chroniclers mocked his authority, writing it, quote, was limited to choosing the food he wished to eat from the dishes that were placed before him, end quote. Yusuf I immediately renewed the existing peace agreements with Castile and Morocco, which lasted until 1338, enabling the region to enjoy a brief period of tranquillity but everyone probably sensed that it was the calm before a great storm. Alfonso XI was occupied in this time with subduing distant nobles, a task completed only in the early summer of 1338 by reconciliation of the principal rebel Juan Manuel. A nephew of Alfonso X, who later became famous for his writings, Juan Manuel now promised to serve his king loyally. Alfonso XI actively worked to provide for the defence of his frontier. To this end, he demanded from Seville and other frontier towns a sales tax on bread, wine, fish and clothing for three years. Anxious that his knights not lose their military capability, he encouraged them to participate in tournaments. Alfonso strove to establish friendly relations with Portugal and Aragon. For this purpose, he married the King of Portugal's daughter, but then angered his father-in-law by taking a mistress in preference to his wife. Meanwhile, in North Africa, Sultan Abul Hassan was seeking to complete the subjugation of the city of Tremchen. In 1337, he decisively defeated the rival Muslim Zayana dynasty in North Africa, extending his rule into modern-day Algeria and Tunisia. The Marinid realms in the Maghreb briefly covered an area that rivaled that of the preceding Almohad Caliphate. Abul Hassan was now able to turn his full attention to his other main ambition, the extension of his power into Spain. From 1339 to 1344, full war broke out between Castile and Morocco, which proved to be the decisive period in the struggle for the waters between Spain and North Africa. The opening salvo of the conflict started in the late spring of 1339, when the Moroccans invaded Castile. Marinid prince, Abd al-Malik, the same who had four years previously captured Gibraltar, set out from Algeciras with 6,000 knights and many infantry to plunder Medina, Sidonia and Jerez. 
However, an army formed by the military order of Alcantara and the militia of Seville engaged the Moors in a brutal clash and drove them from the field. Abd al-Malik withdrew and set up camp near the Alberite River, but was surprised by the pursuing Christians at dawn. Advantage was with the Castilians, who routed the enemy. Vainly attempting to halt the flight of his men, Abd al-Malik was killed. Although a serious setbacks for the Marinids, they recovered the initiative with two naval victories in the autumn of 1339 and the spring of 1340. Both times they defeated the Castilian and Catalan armadas, which were attempting to guard the strait. After the second, the Marinids cut off the head of the Castilian admiral, Tenorio, and sent his body as a trophy to Abal Hassan. Christian captives were paraded in chains to the streets of Theatre. Proclaiming himself Lord of the Sea, Abd Hassan cited the prophecy of Muhammad that the Moors would penetrate Spain as far as Compostela and declared that the victory was a sign from God that he would conquer Castile. The long-awaited main invasion force with Abd Hassan at his head from Morocco landed at Algeciras on the 4th of August 1340 with the plan to first capture Tarifa and then Jerez before moving against Seville. Initiating the siege at Tarifa on the 23rd of September, the garrison were called to surrender by the Sultan. The Castilians, however, reminded him that their swords were still red with his son's blood and vowed not to clean them until they were washed again in the blood of his soldiers. Infuriated, Abel Hassan swore to slaughter them all. His siege engines bombarded the fortress day and night and broke up a great part of the wall on one of its towers, but yet the Christians held their ground. In Seville, meanwhile, Alfonso XI consulted his men as to the best course of action. Though one advised him to abandon Tarifa, he declared that he would rather lose his head with the crown of Spain than do something so shameful. Given the numerical superiority of the enemy, however, he sent his wife to secure the assistance of her father, Alfonso IV of Portugal. In mid-October... The Castilian fleet suffered an unexpected disaster when nine galleys and a number of other ships were destroyed by a heavy storm. Abel Hassan was elated at the news, interpreting as a sign of God's will that he should conquer all of Spain. He then asked the defenders of Tarifa to parley. On their arrival, a translator told them to kiss the ground before the Sultan. They refused to comply and boasted that the town was well fortified and its defenders were proven knights of long service to the king who would rather die than surrender. After their departure, the enraged Sultan paraded captured sailors before the walls of Tarifa and had them executed in order to try and intimidate the citizens. Meanwhile, the King of Portugal, Afonso IV, arrived in Seville at the head of a substantial army. He joined up forces with Afonso XI, which included Juan Manuel. The former rebel declared that, with the help of God, he would provide a banquet for the two kings in Abel Hassan's tent. Such a degree of confidence may have inspired his fellow Christians to action, but was not entirely warranted. The Sultan had proved himself a capable military leader by his recent conquest of Tlemcen. Moro was high among his troops, and the resources of his kingdom as a whole were much more considerable than that of Castile. In fact, the Castilian royal coffers were now empty after the recent expenses required to defend the frontier. The situation was so desperate that Alfonso XI had to pawn his jewels and seek a loan from the people of Seville. At best he would have supplies for fifteen days, but would not be able to provide for Tarifa unless he broke the siege. 
After their soldiers took the Crusaders' cross and confessed their sins, the two kings set out from Seville to face the combined army of Granada and the Marinids. On Sunday, the 29th of October, the two kings arrived at La Peña del Ciervo, which can be translated as the Hill of the Deer, about five miles northwest of Tarifa, where they established camp. When Abul Hassan and Yusuf I saw the Christian army, they withdrew from Tarifa and positioned their armies on the surrounding hills. As dawn broke, the next day Alfonso XI confessed his sins to the Archbishop of Toledo, de Abonoth, and asked for God's pardon. The Archbishop consecrated the king's arms, asking God to grant strength for the battle about to take place. Quote, today you will save your soul, you will honour the holy religion, and gain such fame as no king ever had. End quote. Meanwhile, Alfonso IV of Portugal and his men confessed their sins, attended Mass and received the Eucharist. Recording the loss of Spain by King Rodrigo of the Visigoths in 711, the later ravages of Almanzor and the creation of Portugal by Alfonso I, Alfonso IV rallied his men, saying that whether they lived or died that day, they would be remembered forever. And so, on a bright sunny morning, Monday the 30th of October, the Christian army departed from their camp and advanced towards the enemy. Around the same time, the defenders of Tarifa left the city and marched out to the north. The Muslim army took up positions along the fords of the river Salado, so as to prevent the Christians from crossing. Abel Hassan placed around his neck a reliquary containing a piece of cloth belonging to the Prophet Muhammad. He too rallied his men, reminding them that they were fighting for Islam, and that if they won, they would be renowned forever, and would conquer Spain from the Christians, just as their predecessors had done in 711. Juan Manuel led the Christian army from the front. With a contingent of about 800 knights, he won control of a small bridge, and was able to cross the river. Another detachment of about 3,000 knights, headed by the master of the Order of Santiago, also managed to cross the river and engaged Abu Umar, the son of Abul Hassan. Driven back, the Moors fled up a hill towards their camp, with the Christians in pursuit. As the forces from Tarifa joined the attack, the defenders fled, leaving the Sultan's wives and children unprotected. Alfonso XI forded the river, but with the majority of his army making their way to the enemy camp, was left in a valley with only a small number of companions. Seeing an opportunity, the Marinids attacked, and an enemy arrow lodged in the king's saddle. Alfonso, though, was not deterred. He personally led a charge against the enemy. The Christian troops, who had occupied the Sultan's camp, rushed down the hill to protect their king, and the Moors soon found themselves engulfed on all sides. Abul Hassan attempted to rally his men, but they panicked and fled. At the same time, the Portuguese army attacked the contingent from Granada and also forced them to flee. The battle lasted about three hours from 9am until noon, but the pursuit of the enemy continued until late afternoon. All over the battlefield, large numbers of Moors were killed, wounded or captured. Among the captives was Abu Umar, the Sultan's son, other members of the royal family and many distinguished nobles. Yusuf I fled back to Granada, and Abul Hassan back over the Straits to Morocco. It was a resounding victory for the Christians, and had they possessed more supplies, they may have attempted to follow up on their success with an immediate attack on Algeciras. 
Alfonso XI had to return to Toledo, but two years later commenced the siege of the strategic coastal city. It proved to be one of the longest and most grueling of all medieval sieges, lasting from August 1342 to March 1344. Among its claims to fame, the siege is mentioned in the Canterbury Tales, written by the English author Chaucer in the late 1300s, since one of its characters, the knight, participated in the event. Algeciras was able to hold out for such a long period because of its formidable city walls and towers, because its defenders were well supplied with food and arms, and because small boats regularly broke through the blockade in the middle of night in order to bring additional food. Abul Hassan sent a powerful navy to relieve the city, but it was defeated in the Battle of the Palmones River in December 1343. The defenders of Algeciras, realising that no help would be forthcoming, eventually surrendered their city, and Castile became unquestionably the dominant power of the Strait of Gibraltar. Joseph O'Callaghan compares the Battle of Salado, 1340, with the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa, in his book The Gibraltar Crusade. He writes, quote, Both battles had profound consequences. Las Navas de Tolosa marked the beginning of the end of Almohad power and opened Andalusia to the great Christian conquest of the second quarter of the 13th century. The Battle of Salado, on the other hand, signalled the beginning of the decline of the Marinids, who never again invaded the peninsula in force. End quote. Alfonso XI hoped next to follow up on his successes at Salado and Algeciras with the conquest of Gibraltar. However, in 1350, outside the city walls of his besieging army, the king contracted the Black Death and died on Good Friday, the 26th of March. Alfonso was the only ruling monarch of Western Europe to fall victim to the epidemic, which went on to devastate Europe in the decades to come and kill perhaps 30 or 60% of the total population. Castile once again suffered the disturbances of yet another civil war, giving the Kingdom of Granada time to recover its defences and survive nearly one and a half centuries further. In a further episode, I will continue the story of the battle for control of southern Spain and the eventual fall of the Sultanate of Granada in 1492. Today I have some news, which unfortunately is not good news. I have recently been diagnosed with a benign brain tumour, which has to be operated on soon. That means I will have to take a break of maybe three months, I'm not sure exactly how long. When I'm back, I'm looking forward to moving on to the Hundred Years' War. So, until then, goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.